You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Google Play. You can even tell Alexa to play Locked On Pelicans for you. Yes, that is right. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday. Wanted to try and do a podcast yesterday, but recorded Locked On NBA to give you guys a bit of an NBA Finals preview, and that went a little long into the night, so we didn't get a chance to do it. And then, frankly, I had to stay up reading this story about Brian Colangelo and the Twitter burner accounts and all of that in what's maybe the most bananas thing we've ever seen in the, the the Twitter era, let's call it, of the NBA. So we're going to talk about that. We, we don't have a choice. We're going we're gonna to dive into some burner accounts and how silly this is and talk about it a little bit and give you my take and opinion on this. We'll also talk about DeMarcus Cousins and his market upcoming in free agency because a lot has been said about that. So we'll recap what's kind of going on around there when it comes to what the perception is league-wise. So that's a good one, too. And then, finally, the Orlando Magic have signed a new head coach. We'll fill you in on who that is. We're going to give you the locked-on Magic take on that. Is it a good hire? Is it kind of an uninspired hire, perhaps? Or is this kind of the stability they need? We'll cover all of that and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's get the DeMarcus Cousins news out of the way because, frankly, when it comes to everything, this is, like, not the fun stuff here. And we want to have some fun later on here in today's edition of Locked on Pelican. So, look, we all went through Instagram gate or whatever it was, and that was fun and an annoying thing to deal with and certainly doesn't hold a candle to whatever the hell the Sixers are going through right now. But that was an interesting thing. So I think we've seen he has no leverage and that more and more come out about his free agency and how this might go. I think we see that to be absolutely the case where there really isn't a very big market for him. Multiple people, you got Kevin O'Connor saying it, a couple guys out of Dallas saying it, and I think Zach Lowe and Howard Beck said it, that really the only team other than the Pelicans who have a huge interest in him is going to be the Dallas Mavericks, and they do have cap space to sign him. I don't know if that's the guy you want to spend the cap money on and the cap space on. Certainly, I really thought Aaron Gordon was the better fit there for them. Um, so that's really the only one that's a threat there. And I think it's more like if, if he wants to go there, like go, go ahead, take your money and go to Dallas. Who's not competing for a little while. And this Pelicans team will try and figure it out. As I told you guys last week, you know, it sounds like everyone in exit interviews were saying, yeah, we're okay. If we don't have him, it's not saying we don't want him or he's a bad teammate or anything like that. It's more just saying like, yeah, you know, we, we can get by and it'll be fine. If he doesn't end up re-signing here and maybe don't cripple this team potentially, only crippled if he doesn't come back healthy, to kind of bring him back. So that's kind of where that stands. Uh, Zach Lowe said on a podcast with Howard Beck, he thinks the Pels are going to re-sign Cousins just to do a signing trade and move him later on. Um, at that point, that guy could maybe then get moved to, uh, after a year. 
uh, or what is it, you know, like January 15th or something, you can do that or December 15th. I forget exactly what, when those people become eligible to be traded. So that's potential too, that you just re-sign them. So you have an asset and then you can ship them out later for something at the very least. And maybe that helps you. Uh, but that's also dependent on him playing well. So the really, it really comes down to how do you feel about his health or not. But it certainly doesn't sound like the market really is there, leading some to believe that maybe the Pels are going to try and play hardball. That goes against recent Pelicans history of negotiating against yourselves or feeling kind of the pressure of other teams and forcing you to make a deal. You know, supposedly it's come out that Drew Holiday had a, a more lucrative contract on the table at one point from another team than the Pelicans. Though that's anonymously leaked, this hasn't been proven, and that could show that the Pelicans just put that out there to make themselves feel better, to make the perception better about what it is. Because you see that holiday contract, which now looks fine, <laughs> to be honest. But at the time, everyone thought that was an overpay, and it was, you know, uh, Golshan, his agent, doing a very, very good job of negotiating. We saw it, you know, when it came to the situation with... Omer Ashik and Alexei Jinsa, those were overpays, even though at the time that, that Ashik contract isn't as bad as people made it out to be, still not an ideal thing. So this team has a history of negotiating against themselves, but now it's really starting to come out that there's just nothing out there for Cousins. So hopefully the Pelicans realize this and they don't negotiate against themselves. They don't overpay for him because if he doesn't come back and he's bad, it almost certainly means maybe that Anthony Davis will be gone, though Davis is now in line for the richest contract in NBA history, which we covered last week. So maybe it won't be the case and he's going to stay here no matter what. But it's an interesting thing because there is still a fine line. This team's going to walk with it. And as we get closer and closer to free agency, which is after the draft and everything, you know, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of interest in DeMarcus Cousins, nor necessarily should there be when it comes to that injury that he sustained. And it just sucks. It's a matter of life. Life is fair, blah, 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 blah. And it's just a crappy situation all around. Yes, but it's the one that he and this team has to deal with. And you've got to go forward with that in mind. Don't forget, Locked On NBA is five days a week, Monday through Friday, covering everything you need to know about the association. And my God, is it fun right now when we have this crazy Colangelo story. You've got the rematch, the fourth straight finals appearance for the Cavs and Warriors facing off. Did the Cavs even have a chance in this one? Well, John Corrales and I talked about that. We really tried to find a way they could win. We didn't really come up with a good one in the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. So if you need a quick primer on the finals, definitely give that a listen. We also dive into where the Celtics and the Rockets go here after their losses in their conference finals. So make sure you listen and subscribe daily to Locked On NBA. So the burner situation and the Ringer article that has now really shaken up NBA Twitter and just NBA coverage in general. And this is maybe the most ridiculous story I've ever heard just because people did research on this and some of the stuff he was saying. But overall, when I first heard this and when I first read this, I, I didn't really feel all that surprised. So if you haven't heard the story yet, Basically, it sounds like Colangelo, or at least the ringer thinks it's him, had five burner accounts, so accounts that he just kind of created to monitor or say things and pretend wasn't him, kind of what happened with Kevin Durant earlier in the year, or last year, I forget what it was at this point, they all blend together, and use that to kind of talk trash and crap on his own players, kind of leak some own trade moves and philosophy, and just kind of be an ass is maybe the best way to put it, which kind of is what's best for Twitter and how it's best used. And that's kind of the situation here. So overall, it's a weird story because you would think an NBA executive with so much to lose if something like this were to get found out would go and do this. 
But again, my initial reaction was, yeah, this kind of sounds about right. So the way I look at it is, look, no matter how successful you are or anything like that, you're always, there's, there's people gunning for you in a weird way in these roles that you have. Hell, I get it where people say, can we get a new host or you're shit and you're terrible. And I've done a good job of tuning that stuff out for the most part, but I get at the high level when you have even more people than like the two or three that do it to me. Thank God it's not more than that. Um, you know, it, that, that can get loud and can get frustrating and you're expected to kind of walk that high road and not say anything and not kind of stoop to their level or react to that because you're better than that. But in hu- it's human nature not to just necessarily do that. You want to lash out and defend yourself. And so it sounds like potentially, potentially, you know, this is no proof necessarily here. It's all circumstantial evidence that Colangelo lashed out through these five burner accounts. I mean, there's a lot of evidence, circumstantial evidence that really does point to him. And you've got these great private eyes here on Twitter now that are kind of doing some digging and finding phone numbers and different things like that. And so this is an interesting thing and it's a bad look. But again, one I think is common. Durant did it. I've had people tweet at me that I've kind of suspected maybe were associated with the Pelicans in some way using a burner account, um, to be honest about things. So you know, certainly I think that's kind of just human nature. You want to defend yourselves and maybe you realize you can't say things publicly. So you go another route about it, but this is peak NBA Twitter and this shit is awesome and it is hilarious and it is so dumb to do stuff like this. Again, it's not easy to kind of walk away from it, but I get it. And now the prevailing theory sounds like it's Colangelo's wife. They found that her number ends in a nine one and the number to reset a number of these Twitter accounts or a bunch of these Twitter accounts, I shouldn't say number there, ends in a nine one. And it looks like their Gmails could also kind of be that type of situation. So this is interesting and a weird situation. If it's his wife, that makes even more sense about what's going on here. And, you know, yeah, he probably tells his wife some stuff that goes on at the office, just like we all do. We come home, you talk to your spouse, your partner, whatever, and kind of just tell them about your day and maybe some of the things that happen in there. And yeah, a lot of people say like confidential things to their partners. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you've got to respect that work home boundary, but a lot of people don't. And so I think that's Maybe what happened here, and she went out to try and defend her husband. And good for her. I like it. Defend your husband. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Hell, we know um, Anita Demps, the wife of Del Demps, is on Twitter, and she jumps into things with all of us. She follows us. We talk to her on there. And it's fine. We all respect it, and no one uh, you know, is upset with it whatsoever because she's also not saying personal things. She's also not disparaging players. And she's out there defending her husband in a much more productive and constructive manner, let's call it, than what potentially... Brian Colangelo's wife is doing. The other theory I have maybe is that it's one of Brian Colangelo's son. I know he has one son. It sounds like plays at the University of Chicago, maybe. Who's doing this? He talks to his dad a couple times a week, maybe. Dad shares some stuff about what's going on with the team. So he gets out there to defend the dad. The way I see this kind of shaking out, because I've been asked about this a little bit now, and Look, you know, the ringer did that kind of good move where they emailed or they asked the Sixers about two of the five accounts as five accounts that are out there. And, you know, the other three immediately went to private when the ones that they asked about didn't. And that's kind of suspicious. So I fully, fully get it. Um, And, you know, so I think this is one of those things where even if Brian Colangelo did it, 
there's going to be a scapegoat and a fall person. It might be the wife, it might be the son, who knows? Right now, he can claim plausible deniability with everything. And, you know, they'll do their investigation of they, they've announced. It's going to come back and he's going to say, yeah, that one account was mine that he's already admitted to, the one that's never tweeted. And the others, I didn't know about it, was my son just kind of defending me. And he did a stupid thing and college kids do stupid things. And this shouldn't be held against me, Brian Colangelo. Likely, it's going to be what's going to happen here. And then the very least, all he's kind of responsible for and needs to take the blame for is saying, yeah, I probably shouldn't have told my son or my wife or whoever some of this private stuff from work. Simple as that. And that's going to be the end of it. And it'll be fine. Maybe he resigns. Maybe he doesn't. But overall, it's not going to blow up into be this amazing thing where the GM of a team just kind of killed his future job hopes. Not that he would have had one anyway after this uh, because of everything. So I think that's what's going to happen here. I could easily see it being his kid. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And maybe he just followed some of those people in the past and just hasn't unfollowed them, like when his dad changed agents, let's say. So there's ways to kind of go about it. I think this is getting blown up more, and there's just more snark that's making it much more fun than this could actually be. But I will say, holy shit, is this a weird, weird story. But again, one that doesn't surprise me regarding everything from what we've seen of players and how thin-skinned a lot of people are. So, while fun and hilarious, I bet this goes on, really, with every team, to this degree of the things that they say as well, disparaging players, different things like that. My God, though, if if this was him, you can't, or even if it's someone associated with him, you're Joel Embiid, if you're any of those guys on this team, how do you look at that man the same way again? You don't, and I think basically this should and likely will spend spell the end of Brian Colangelo's tenure over there with the 76ers. So the offseason never stops, but it is the NBA Finals. If you want to know more about this and in-depth on the Warriors, in-depth on the Cavs, make sure you listen to Locked On Warriors, Locked On Cavs. They're going to be giving you guys the local angles. They follow these teams closer than anyone else does. So make sure you listen to those two podcasts if you want to know a little bit more about the NBA Finals, which start Game 1 tonight. So other big news of the day that's not as fun and wild and crazy as what's going on with the 76ers, though, is the Orlando Magic have made a head coaching hire. So I'm going to let the Locked on Magic podcast take it away and fill you guys in. Hello, this is Philip Rossenreich of Locked on Magic. I'm sure all of you are getting ready for the NBA Finals and probably the NBA Draft as well if you're a team like the Orlando Magic that don't have much to play for in June. But... A little bit of breaking news today. The Orlando Magic have hired Steve Clifford as their new head coach. The former Charlotte Hornets head coach, of course, had, had, in my opinion, a a fairly successful five-year run with the Hornets making the playoffs twice, helping turn around a franchise that was really, really down on its luck. Uh, A team that that obviously had the worst record in league, or the worst win percentage in league history during the lockout year, uh, and then was still struggling to get back up on its feet. In his first year, he had a 20-win turnaround with the Hornets, getting them to 43 wins and a first-round playoff sweep to the, the to the then LeBron James-led Miami Heat. They would return to the playoffs in 2016 with a 48-34 and record um, and, and continue to struggle to kind of reach those lofty expectations again. The one thing that I really like about Steve Clifford for this Orlando Magic team specifically is that his Charlotte Hornets teams always had a set identity. Except for the last two years, which... Coaches tend to go stale after a while, but except for the last two years, the Hornets had a top 10 defensive rating. In fact, even in the last two years, the Hornets had a positive net rating. They missed the playoffs with a positive net rating. In fact, I would argue their 36 and 46 record, even through injuries, even through some of the problems that the Hornets had, 
was a vast underachievement, at least statistically it was. They were really a 500 team at the end of the day. And 500 gets into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, so some bad luck in late games, um, so on and so forth, probably cost them uh, as much as anything. But Steve Clifford here is a coach that establishes an identity, has a high expectation level, and that helps young teams trying to take that next step, at least get into playoff contention. And that's where the Magic are right now, frankly. After six years missing the playoffs, never winning more than 35 games, they really need a coach that's just going to get them to that next level. They just need a coach that's going to get them to be competitive every single night. And that's not something the Magic have had for a very, very long time. And so this hire to me, yes, it kind of feels like the Magic settled a little bit. They went for a coach with some established ties to the franchise. He was an assistant coach under Stan Van Gundy from 2008 to 2012, but also a coach that establishes a culture, establishes an identity, and that's what the Magic need more than anything else. It is a retread. I probably would have liked to see them go with an up-and-coming assistant coach, give someone new a chance, but that comes with risk too. If there's one thing that I can say definitively about Steve Clifford is he's going to demand a standard of play for this team and begin to establish a culture. And that's what the Magic, again, need more than anything else. So the Orlando Magic have hired Steve Clifford. You can, of course, check out Locked On Magic later on today. For more on the hire, I'll be down at the press conference. Or I was down at the press conference, I guess, since this will be coming uh, tomorrow. Uh, but definitely check out Locked On Magic for the latest on the hire of Steve Clifford, as, long, as well as some other draft tidbits. I'll be actually previewing the NBA Finals for my listeners on Thursday's episode as well. But for now, this has been Philip Rossenreich of Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily. Be sure to subscribe to all the Locked On podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. And I'll see you next time. So big thanks to Philip with Locked On Magic for that. Yeah, they've got Steve Clifford, who's a bit of a retread, but I think he's got the right idea here in his take. And it's that they need an identity and to kind of figure out who they are. They have a weird collection of talent, of people, and they've kind of been spinning the wheels, not really settling on what they want to do with this roster, with this team for a number of seasons now. That's not going to get you very far. That doesn't make it easy to evaluate future players and things like that as well. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest things for him is just establish that identity. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing. They're going to play a certain way. They're going to know who they are. And you can build your team and roster around that going forward. So while, yeah, it's an uninspired choice, and I thought maybe Dwayne Casey would have been a better fit, it's still in that kind of same mold as that. And maybe he's cheap, he's well-respected around the league, and undoubtedly this means the Orlando Magic are in a bit of a better situation than they were yesterday. Is by a lot, who knows, we'll find out. But certainly you have to feel this was at least kind of the idea of the right move that they needed to make. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Make sure you listen to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA if you need an NBA Finals preview. Enjoy the game tonight. Got your update on DeMarcus Cousins. Not real much traction out there for him, and that's good for New Orleans, the crazy story going on with the 76ers and, of course, Steve Clifford being hired by the Orlando Magic. As we get further closer to the draft, we'll start previewing some second-round prospects that the Pelicans might look to kind of draft and sign. I don't expect much movement in the draft form, but we'll go over the options and the potential and what they've done in the past to see if maybe we can get a little bit of a prediction about what might happen. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.